Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Brandon Rosa, and welcome to another episode of the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. Every Monday, this podcast covers new game releases, the previous week's gaming news, and we all learn an Xbox-related fun fact together. This show is on podcast services around the world, so please subscribe in your favorite and leave a review. Xboxin10.com, no numbers, is your quick source for links to all of our podcast destinations and social media profiles, which you can follow at Xboxin10. To start, let's talk game releases. The big game out last week, or update, was Tom Clancy's The Division 2 Warlords of New York. The big games out this week include Dead by Daylight Chains of Hate, Farming Simulator 19 Burgal, The Elder Scrolls Online Harrowstorm, Bless Unleashed, Neon City Riders, Pikaninu, Hidden Through Time, My Hero 1's Justice 2, Mecho Tales, and of course, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. New games coming to Xbox Game Pass for console include Ori and the Will of the Wisps, NBA 2K20, Train Sim World 2020, Pikaninu, and State of Decay 2 Juggernaut Edition. Games coming soon to Xbox Game Pass for PC include Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Mother Russia Bleeds, The Lord of the Rings Adventure Card Game, Pikaninu, Train Sim World 2020, and State of Decay 2 Juggernaut Edition. Now onto last week's biggest news stories, and we have six to cover this week. Number one, Bleeding Edge's final character reveal, Mecho, is a crazy cyborg dolphin. Jez Corden and Samuel Tober at Windows Central write, At a recent preview event for Microsoft's upcoming 4v4 brawler, Bleeding Edge, we got some hands-on time with the game's mysterious final character, and oh boy is it a weird one. If you had any doubt that Ninja Theory had some of the wildest character artists in history, meet Mecho, a cybernetically enhanced dolphin with a robotic fish tank. Yes, you read that right. Mecho is a unique character in the overall Bleeding Edge roster for a few reasons, and in our hands-on time we got to find out why. Mecho's bio reveals some traumatic details. Mecho is one of several dolphins experimented on with sonar communication technology allowing them to speak and operate weapon platforms. Only Mecho remains of the dolphins chosen for these trials and the seafaring creature has sworn vengeance against the humans that have caused it such pain. Still, Mecho is starting to learn that not all humans are cruel and has found a new pod of sorts with the other misfits of Bleeding Edge who have welcomed Mecho with open arms. Mecho is one of the larger heroes in the roster sporting a giant footprint owning it to its lumbering spider tank body. Designated as a tank, Mecho is an aggressive and disruptor brawler able to knock enemies away with Surge while pulling allies out of harm's way with Lifeline. Wanted to give this game some more attention as I don't feel enough people are talking about it. I played one of the closed betas and really enjoyed my time with it. I really hope this game can take off for Microsoft. It would be a great exclusive for them to have in the multiplayer genre. And I just love how wacky all the characters are, obviously now with a crazy cyborg dolphin too. Number two, Sea of Thieves enters the trap laden Heart of Fire in next week's big update. Matt Wales at Eurogamer writes, In just a couple of weeks, Sea of Thieves will have reached the grand old age of two, so it seems appropriate that Rare's multiplayer pirate adventure will be celebrating with style. With the arrival of its feature-packed new Heart of Fire update next Wednesday, March 11th, we already had a tiny taste of things to come and see if Thieves' imminent Heart of Fire update when Rare introduced the world to the new ship smashing chain shot. It turns out that not only PvP-focused item on the way, however, and next week will also drop the powerful blunder bomb at the player's eager outstretched palms. This throwable explosive is primarily designed to cause knockback, meaning it's especially useful in foiling the opposition's plans. Attacking players can, for instance, sneakily peer up a ship's boarding ladder and toss the item to push back anyone guarding the top. Conversely, it can be used to knock boarding players off ladders or clean over the side of a boat, and it looks like they can be used to detach players from the likes of the capstan, wheel, and rigging too. Perhaps the biggest new addition next week, however, is a brand new story mission, Heart of Fire. This particular adventure continues the narrative set in motion during November's wonderful seabound Soul Tall Tale and sees the return of daring swashbuckler Sir Arthur Pendragon. 
According to Rare, the goal of Heart of Fire is to deliver a similarly cinematic experience to that seabound soul, but offer up a meteor wedge of gameplay to accompany the narrative. To that end, there's a heavy focus on traps, fire ones to match Captain Flameheart's ashen theme, of course, alongside mysterious new mechanisms. So I tried to play Sea of Thieves again this weekend, and unfortunately, I just can't get fully behind this game. I want to like it more than I do, but I just don't feel the pull to keep coming back and play. Every time I play it with my friends, I have a great time, we laugh, but it doesn't have the staying power for me to keep coming back. Number 3. A former senior combat designer for God of War has now joined In Exile Entertainment. Heidi Nicholas at True Achievements writes, Dean Reimer, whose extensive combat design history includes work on the most recent God of War, has now joined Wasteland 3 developers In Exile Entertainment. Quote, I can't say what we are making, end quote, he says in reply, quote, but I know everyone will love it, end quote. Reimer's previous experience includes work as a senior combat designer at Superbot Entertainment and Santa Monica Studio, and most recently as lead creature designer at Bioware. God of War is highly praised for many qualities, not at least of which is the satisfying and effective combat style, so Reimer will most likely be bringing some extensive knowledge to his new role as lean combat designer at In Exile. One of In Exile's upcoming projects is Wasteland 3, their turn-based RPG set to release later this year on May 19th. Judging from Reimer's own comments, his time at In Exile sounds as though it'll be spent on some new, as yet unannounced project, which they're not ready yet to share details on. Look at their careers page shows that they're still hiring for a number of key positions. One opening for Elite Designer says they're looking for someone to work on a next-generation role-playing game, with relevant experience working on AAA titles, current, and next-gen consoles. So perhaps this is the project where Kramer is now focusing on. Just last year, In Exile hired a World of Warcraft veteran as their new executive producer, so it seems they're stepping up their hiring process. Really cool to see this, any talent from Sony Santa Monica and people who worked on God of War, which is now one of my favorite games of all time, gives me some boost and hope for this studio. I don't have any experience with any of their games, I do want to jump into Wasteland remastered and see what Wasteland 3 is all about when it comes out, but only time will tell to see how I feel about them, but I know a lot of people do love these games. Number 4. Ghost Recon Breakpoint's immersive mode launches soon, but can it save the game? Owen S. Good at Polygon writes, Ghost Recon Breakpoint's forthcoming immersive mode has been revealed and detailed a week after Ubisoft Paris told the games community that the post-release feature would be delayed. It launches on March 24th after it was originally flagged for a February release. Immersive mode is a harder core version of the game's player vs. environment campaign and it places a greater focus on survival and ability as opposed to using high-level weapons and gear to prevail. To that end, gear score is removed in immersive mode. This metric new to Ghost Recon as of Breakpoint mimicked the gear score that has players continually changing out their weapons in Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Immersive mode will also allow players to loot weapons from defeated enemies. Breakpoint had limited this survival style component with random drops familiar to The Division and the loot shooter genre at large. Similarly, gear is now acquired from the world at large and crates, in addition to mission rewards and other milestones. In standard breakpoint, players either acquire gear from an in-world store or gather a craftable plan from intelligence caches, effectively a collectible. This mode will offer other changes that place a greater focus on patient, tactical gameplay. Players may choose to carry a single primary weapon as opposed to the standard two in their loadout, and to lose ammunition on discarding a clip to more reflect the real-life limitations of weapons in the field. Players may also adjust their character's stamina and health regeneration rates for a greater challenge, as well as the number of bandages, a healing kit they can carry. It's infinite in the standard mode, though one does take a while to implement. Players can also ramp up the risk of suffering a wound for an extra challenge. 
Last but not least, a quality of life change means players will only encounter NPCs and their own partied of human teammates in Erewhon, the game's hub world. Since launch, it's been overrun by randos, which isn't altogether obnoxious, but does cut into the feeling of being outnumbered deep inside enemy territory. Ubisoft Paris reassures players that they can switch in and out of the immersive mode at any time, and that players with different modes can still fight together in the same party. I haven't played a Ghost Recon game in many years, and I did play the beta for Ghost Recon Wildlands, but it really didn't do anything for me. Hopefully this is some good news for the community, as I know this game has not lived up to Ubisoft's expectations, so hopefully it can bring it back for them. Number 5. New Star Wars game Project Maverick briefly appears online. Matthew Cato at Game Informer writes, Electronics Arts' next Star Wars title is a smaller, more unusual project at EA Motive, known as Star Wars Project Maverick. The title was first discovered after Twitter account PSN PSN releases via reset error user Solzenik, which automatically monitors additions to the PSN store database, tweeted about the game with the art shown above. Although Electronic Arts, who has the official Star Wars game license, has not officially confirmed the project, Kotaku is reporting that Project Maverick is one of two Star Wars titles the company is working on. Kotaku describes the game as a smaller, more unusual project at EA Motive in Montreal, Canada. The other, according to the site, is a Jedi Fallen an order sequel by Respawn. No matter the intended size of the game, just releasing another Star Wars game would be a minor victory for EA, as games like EA Motive's open world Star Wars title have been outright cancelled. For those who haven't seen the image, you can see a few X-Wings going up to a Super Star Destroyer. Any Star Wars game is going to get me excited. I just hope it's good, so hopefully EA does not rush this game out. Take the time you need to make a great game. And number 6, Resident Evil 3 Remake, Safe Room Still Safe from Nemesis. Matt Perslow at IGN writes, Update, Capcom confirmed that Nemesis will not be able to enter designated safe rooms according to Games Radar. The story that Nemesis would be able to breach safe rooms which previously were impenetrable to monsters in the game came from a preview that reported Nemesis attacking Jill in a room with a safe spot. Capcom says that there will be a certain save points that aren't considered to be safe rooms, the music will be a big indicator for which are which. So while there is a chance that Nemesis can attack you in an area you can save in, safe rooms will still be a nice respite you can relax in without fear. I want to include this story as I'm a huge Resident Evil fan and I saw this news story making the rounds on Twitter with people freaking out that they will no longer be safe in safe rooms from Nemesis, but that is hardly the truth as Capcom has thankfully confirmed it. As always, we end our show with a fun fact about X box and this one is just a little history from wikipedia on the studio ninja theory ninja theory limited is a british video game development studio based in cambridge england notable games it has developed include kung fu chaos heavenly sword enslaved odyssey to the west DMC, Devil May Cry, and Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Founded by Tamim Analitas, Ninja, Christine, and Mike Ball in March 2000, the company operated under the name Just Ed Monsters. Just because of how much I loved Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, Ninja Theory has quickly climbed to the top of one of my favorite video game developers. I'm so excited about all the projects they currently have been teasing with Project Mara, I enjoyed my time with Bleeding Edge Beta, and I can't wait for the sequel to Hellblade. I am so happy that Microsoft snatched them up and that they are now an Xbox Game Studio first party. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. If you like the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast service, leave a review, share it with your friends, and follow on all social media at Xbox in 10. This past week, I've been back on the Destiny 2 grind, and I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I'm surprised. I played it very hardcore when it first came out and then just totally fell off. I also tried out Sea of Thieves of the PvP mode in the campaign. Like I mentioned earlier, it just couldn't get me into it. And we played some Smite. God, I always fall back to that game. My name is Brandon Rosie. You can follow me on Xbox at Broza93. I hope you all have a great week and keep on gaming.